On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla adjusts the prices on the Model Y, and odds are you're going to be happy if you already have an order. Plus, updates on Gigafactory 3 in Shanghai and a possible location for Gigafactory 4 in Europe, Tesla brings another service in-house and more. What's happening, friends? It's episode 212 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for August 25th, 2019. I am Ryan McCaffrey. To my left, a snuggling, almost sleeping Daisy the Boxer Puppy. And if I sound a little off this week, I do apologize. Uh, I might sound a little nasally. The cold that I had at the end of last week decided to just work its way up and clog my sinuses as it as it uh, departed my system, so it's still a little, still a little uh, backed up uh, in in the old uh, sinuses. But getting through it, starting to feel a little bit better. Anyway, uh, happy palindrome! Every ten or so weeks, I get one of these. It's episode two twelve. Reads the same way, forwards and backwards. Always, always fun to to mark the palindromes. Now let's get right to it with the Tesla news. Sure enough, as I figured last week. By recording the show one night early, that did come back to bite me a little bit because on Friday, uh, we had some news and that was pertaining to Model Y. Let's talk about it now. Model Y prices have been updated to reflect the recently adjusted Model 3 prices. So the good news is the prices are lower overall on the Model Y, but uh, the reason I have to say, sort of pause and say overall is because it doesn't look like it at an initial glance. The base price on every trim increased by $1,000 across the board, so it went up. However, anybody that who has already ordered, uh, I guess not just anybody who's already ordered, but even if you order now, uh, you are still going to see some savings because Basic Autopilot is now included in all configurations. Uh, you remember that from earlier this year, with the, the end of February, in fact, with the Model 3, and that hadn't been reflected in the Model Y design studio until now. So that means a $3,000 savings, which translates to an overall net savings of $2,000 when you factor the $1,000 base price increase. Or if you happen to have a Model Y ordered with pearl white uh, white paint chosen, you're saving even more because, as you know, that is now the default color on the Model 3 and also the Model Y now, uh, meaning that you just saved another $1,500. Although, granted, if, if you do want solid black, if you'd placed an order for a Y in black, that is now going to cost you $750. Of course, if you've already got a Model Y order, you'll be taken care of and you won't be paying more. You'll only pay less. So I'm, I guess I'm mostly talking to those folks who did choose black, although uh, maybe you chose black because it was the free color. Maybe those some of you out there are going to want to change it now 
over to whatever the free color is, in which case now is the multi-coat pearl white paint, in which case just log in anytime to your Tesla account, edit your order, and boom, you're done. Uh, anyway, with the price changes in your favor, your account, if you, if you uh, have an order in, your account should get taken care of automatically if it hasn't already. Uh, you know, it'll definitely make people happy to ultimately pay less for their car when it comes time to pay the bill. That's the bottom line here is that's what's, that's, what's fun about this is, you know, you may have placed your order for a model Y at some point over the last, uh, four or five months here, and you're going to end up paying less than what you had initially planned for. And I can relate to that because I actually went through that very same thing when I originally ordered mine. Uh, pardon me, because I, I do know I've shared this story before, but for newer listeners out there who might not be aware, when the Performance Model 3s were first uh, up for order, and I, I was uh, able to get in that first group, a uh, te the Tesla team ended up cutting the price by $6,000 out of nowhere. It just, one day, it just changed, and I, I literally sat at my computer in disbelief for a little while going, wait a second, but did the price of the thing I just ordered go down $6,000 before I've even <laughs> paid the bill? That's awesome. It felt, it felt so good. It just energized me more about the purchase, which I'd already been waiting so long to make. Um, yeah, just, it, I was such a happy camper that, and needless to say, that made my day when it happened. And uh, again, I didn't have to do anything on that, just as you shouldn't have to with the Y now. My account got updated automatically with the lower pricing. So good news in the Model Y world this past week. Next up, Elon Musk tweeting an update on when we can expect version 10 and some other news alongside that. He says via Twitter, quote, the price increase for Tesla's full self-driving package is postponed until version 10 with Smart Summon is in wide release, which is about four to eight weeks away, depending on how early access goes. He added later, uh, everyone who bought full self-driving will receive priority slash early access. So there you go. Um, the the uh, price change pushed out a little bit. Now this... I will say this transparency on his part, very much appreciated. It always is. Transparency is, is never a bad thing. If you were on the fence about buying the full self-driving upgrade for your car now versus later, well, you've now got a little bit of extra time to decide on it, probably uh, three to eight weeks or so, something like that, or about you know one to two months, roughly. Um, but... A, a few other things I wanted to comment on with this. First, this doesn't actually change the timeline on version 10 much, if at all, from when Elon had originally mentioned this. That same, you know, that four to eight weeks or one to two months from when he tweeted this puts it at late September through pretty much anywhere in October. Uh, second, second point I wanted to make here is... Uh, I guess I'm going to be getting early access to this and, and a lot of you out there as well who, who opted for the full self-driving package. And, you know, I added mine earlier this year. I didn't buy it at the time I purchased the car, but I added it 
uh, earlier this year in late February when when that pricing structure changed uh, from you know the enhanced autopilot to basic autopilot with the the, the different full self driving package. Now, I personally have not received any kind of notification that I'm in the early access program, so. Uh, basically, I guess I'm not going to hold my breath for it. I mean, I would love to get V10 on the earlier side. It'd be great to, you know, to, to get it. I'm definitely excited to get it. If it's got Netflix in there, if it's got YouTube, it's got, uh, Elon mentioned more games in there. So, uh, there's a lot of stuff I'm definitely keen to see in this next major release, but yeah, it's, I don't have anything <laughs> in writing that says I'm in the early access program despite buying the full self-driving package. So uh, I won't be holding my breath, but I will cross my fingers, I suppose. Uh, any of you out there who are in the same position as me, you might want to politely consider taking that same approach to it in order to avoid any any potential frustration or disappointment. Because we know that this is one area where Tesla's not super great at this stuff about, you know, there's they say they're going to do something and they do it, but the execution can sometimes be uh, a little messy, leaving leaving a bit to be desired. So we'll see about that. Now, third, the third thing I wanted to point out here is with regard to Smart Summon. That Smart Summon, I have to say, just, just having paid such close attention to Tesla over the last number of years, Smart Summon might be one of the most talked about software uh, added features, software unlocked features over the longest period of time. I, I have been racking my brain on this. I can't think of another case where Elon has talked about and not just talked about, we've seen Smart Summon in action publicly via early uh, tester releases, but I just can't think of another time where Elon has talked about slash shown via the, the you know, early access community, something this long and this much. And I just don't know what to expect from Smart Summit at this point, because we've heard Elon say, in describing it, we've heard him say everything from it's magical to it doesn't suck. The, those, are, those are both phrases, turns of phrase that he used to describe the status of Smart Summon. Now, uh, you know, I'm not sure when to even expect uh, Smart Summon. I mean, that's the four to eight week thing, but I, I suppose it's, I mean, it sounds like it might be the holdup in version 10. I, I'm totally guessing. It could be, I could be very, very wrong on this because I would need access to the, to the software, you know, planning network, <laughs> whatever the Trello board that they use at Tesla to track this stuff. But I think there's a reasonable chance that smart, the progress of Smart Summon will dictate whether uh, version 10 comes out on the earlier side of that four to eight week estimate or the late side. Um, but as to, I mean, I even kind of think that that sort of same uncertainty I have about the timing, I have about the feature itself, if I'm being totally honest, because what's it going to look like? Is it going to be magical or is it just going to not suck most likely as with with many things in life i find it'll probably be somewhere in the middle of that somewhere between magical and doesn't suck 
My, uh, I will say, if anybody from Tesla's out there, my birthday's in late September, so maybe version 10 will end up as uh, as a birthday present to me and, and hopefully everybody else in the fleet. But there is your update on V10, which is bundling, among many other things, that smart summon, uh, aka the artist formerly known as Enhanced Summon, now referred to as Smart Summon. Next up this week, let's talk Gigafactory. How about on two continents? First up, Gigafactory 3 in Shanghai, in China. It has received the official government green light to operate. So it's got its, its, its papers, it's got its permits. It is set to roll, uh, and it, it received that certification in record time. So China has a, uh, has a national English language newspaper called the Global Times, and I uh, found this report via Teslarati, so a tip of the cap to them. And the Global Times reports, quote, Tesla's Gigafactory in Shanghai, phase one, received its first comprehensive acceptance certificate on Monday within three days of making the application, which sets a new record for the local govern- government in inspection. Uh, boy, I can't talk today. A new record for the local government in inspection and approval timing, end quote. I'd like to remind you at this point as well, it's only August. We are still in August. Uh, if you if you haven't seen, by the way, the, the progress on this facility lately, it just continues to astound. So uh, Tesla's global vice president, Grace Tao, said that construction is mostly complete, that equipment has been loaded in and is being debugged, and... They are on track to start deliveries of locally produced Model 3s by the end of this year. That is just absolutely fantastic news. Now, again, I said Gigafactories. Let's talk about the other one, one that uh, doesn't even partially exist yet. It still only exists in idea form, Gigafactory 4. Multiple German news sources are reporting that Tesla is zeroing in on Germany. I want to tip my cap here to Reddit and specifically Reddit users Katze Zona. I'm not sure uh, if that person is a listener. And then uh, that, so that person posted the topic on Reddit that I, I found here. And then Schmarns for posting an English translation of the German reports. And it is as follows Tesla is interested in a production site in Lower Saxony. A spokesperson for uh, economics minister Bernd Altusman, aka the CDU, confirmed that the ministry had presented, quote, potential locations in the state to Tesla company representatives. The electric car producer had previously approached the Lower Saxony Ministry of Economics. So there is some apparently some mutual interest here. Uh, re- returning to the report, according to our editorial staff, and the staff in question is from nwzonline.de, which obviously means it's a German site, the main focus was on possible locations near the coast. According to the Hanoverisch, uh, wait, hold on, I got to butter up on my German here. Hanoversche, there we go, got it on the second time. Uh, Algemeine Zeitung, a.k.a. the HAZ, Emden and Amesland 
are to be at the top of the list of candidates. The ministry did not want to comment on this, probably, of course, because they're in active discussions with Tesla and you don't want to leak anything to the press and ru- and potentially ruin a, a, a deal as it is in the works. But uh, anyway, pardon me for struggling through my German there. It's It's been a while. College was the last time I took any German. Um, but I, I have to say, I really... I hope it is Germany. I hope that's where Gigafactory 4 ends up. And I don't say that out of any competitive desire to see Tesla beat the likes of, you know, the Volkswagen Group and Daimler and BMW on their home turf. You know, I'm it's not even about that. It's I'm I I try to look at electric vehicles the way Elon does, which is the more the merrier. I mean, I've seen electric vehicles get made that are either aesthetically hideous or so lacking in features that it makes me frustrated. It's like, why did you do this? But there are also some awesome electric vehicles out there and some more great ones coming. Uh, the Porsche Taycan looks, is looking real sharp on, and Porsche is really starting to ramp up the, the marketing effort on that. So the more the merrier. But anyway, uh, the reason that I personally would like to see Tesla put Gigafactory 4 in Germany is because there was there's just so much talent there to pull from, to hire from, and to make Tesla better. Germany is, a, you know, by default, the home to so much automotive talent at every single level, thanks to the sheer number of car companies that call Germany home. I just rattled off a few of them. And as a bonus, Germany is also pretty centrally located in Europe, and We know very well that Tesla is a company that searches for every single efficiency it can get in all aspects of its business. So I'm crossing my fingers that it is going to be Germany. It appears that that uh, possibility is being seriously explored both by Tesla itself and uh, one of the, the local governments within Germany there. So good stuff. Now, let's talk more good news, at least <laughs> based on my experience, I think this is a good news story. It may be a non-news story to some of you, but uh, this one matters to me. Tesla is now offering its own glass replacement service. An email went out to customers in cities around the United States. I got one, and a lot of uh, Redditors around the country got one, people just checking in from all over the place. And that email says, in part, schedule an appointment with Tesla service for all glass replacement on your Tesla vehicle. Replace your damaged windshield or other glass with professional craftsmanship and in-house expertise. If you are curious, if you've received this message, it's not a, a physical email. Mine showed up in my Tesla app in the inbox if you click on the, the settings icon in there, it'll take you to your inbox. It should light up with a little red uh, bug on there to let you know that there's a new message. But anyway, if you, if you have been listening since before the Elon interview, you may recall that over the holidays last year when I had driven my car to Arizona, I took a large rock to the very top of my windshield and it easily, (laughs) easily puts damage beyond repair into it. So, you know, had to suffer through that for a little bit. But the the suffering part really came because 
it was a extremely annoying ordeal in that, you know, I know it's just a car windshield. There are many worse things in life, but relative to this, it was super annoying. I, I went, so I went through test. I contacted Tesla and then they gave me their Tesla's recommended local glass shop here in the Bay area that they, they were directing people to. And after initially setting things up and they were going to order a windshield for me weeks and weeks, and I'm talking literally about, I think it was six weeks passed, uh, without me hearing anything from that shop. I checked in with them after a couple weeks, then they decided to stop returning my phone calls and my texts. And eventually I escalated the issue within my Tesla account and to their great credit, Tesla reached out and eventually did direct me to a Tesla service center. And they did do my glass, uh, my windshield themselves. But, uh, yeah, it was just a process that should have been, you know, okay. I, most cars, you're going to wait maybe a couple days. (laughs) Stock is readily available. You know, you get the, get your insurance company involved if you need to on the, the claim, and then you set it up and you get it done. I, you know, Tesla willing to be a bit more flexible. I know they're a young company, a lot of growing pains, but yeah, it was just, just super, uh, long and drawn out. So I, for one, am very glad to see, uh, that Tesla is bringing this in house. So I hope you never have a, a poor experience like I did. I, in fact, I hope none of you ever even need to have any glass repair or particularly replacement done, but you know, windshields are things that tend to get cracked over the, over the life of driving and and using a car. So hopefully I'll never need it again. Hopefully none of you ever will, but if we do, we can go straight through Tesla, which I think will probably end up being a good thing. Finally, this week, after a three day hearing, Colorado's Air Quality Control Commission has decided to approve the adoption of a zero emissions vehicle mandate. Thank you to Teslarati for reporting on this story. Teslarati writing, quote, with this landmark decision, Colorado has become the 10th state to join California's zero emissions vehicle program, which is expected to improve air quality in the region while pushing automakers to expand their electric car offerings. The adoption of the ZEV mandate, which requires car makers to roll out more zero emissions vehicles, was met with widespread support from members of the commission. The results of the vote were uh, were eight to one, with Commissioner Tom Gonzalez being the sole official who opposed the mandate. Colorado Governor Jared Polis said, quote, In one of my first executive orders as governor, I asked for the Department of Public Health and Environment to increase the choices Coloradans have when it comes to purchasing electric cars by increasing the number of models available in our state, and we got it done within a few short months. It's only the beginning. Colorado must continue to reduce smog and increase consumer choice, end quote from the governor. So uh, I really wanted to note this story. I know, you know, it, it only affects a, a, a fraction of you that live in Colorado, but it's good news for all elect, you know, electric vehicles because the more states get on board with this, the more pressure it puts on car companies, and the more likely it, we are to see change affected and to see uh, electric vehicles 
normalized and and pushed out in greater quantity and become easier to buy and easier to service with you know it'll just domino effect more charging stations out in public etc cetera, etc cetera. so a tip of the cap to Colorado because uh, they have absolutely become of course I, I say become like it just happened so let me rephrase Colorado has long cemented itself as one of the most electric car friendly states you know, from their, you guys have really strong purchase incentives for buyers to then initiatives like this one. You know, California tends to get a lot of the attention with this kind of stuff, but Colorado is just flat out getting it done. So again, a salute, a tip of the cap to all you Coloradans. Hopefully more states, as I noted, will follow suit and help build forward momentum for the electric vehicle movement. All right, that's all the news I've got for you this week. Stick with me, though. I'm going to come back. I've got plenty of your excellent Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls, your questions, your comments, your Tesla discussion topics coming up right after this. Ten, count them, ten excellent phone calls from you guys queued up and ready to go here in the Ride the Lightning hotline. Before I get to those, a friendly reminder that I welcome, appreciate, and invite you to participate in the Ride the Lightning hotline. You can dial me anytime. There are two easy ways to send in a call. You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recorder, record your question on there. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many calls during each show as possible. And then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a message on the toll-free Ride the Lightning hotline. That number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And hey, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted, which is what I do with them, or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's learn more now from Michael in Houston, wants to talk about Tesla gaming. Let's do it, Michael. Hey, Ryan, this is Michael from Houston, Texas, a longtime listener, first-time caller. Had a quick question about gaming on the Tesla, and I'm sure you might have some insight on this based on your day job at IGN. Uh, My question is actually about Google Stadia. I was watching the reveal video again the other day, and one thing that was mentioned was the vision is to um, eventually be able to use Stadia and stream games from any device that uh, has Chrome. And obviously, the Tesla browser is Chromium, not Chrome, and I know there's some differences there. But my question is just, you know, if you could ever see, uh, you know, Tesla as being able to, to use Stadia, and obviously it would make our supercharging trips a, a lot more fun. And, you know, I know Tesla has some games in the works and has a, a decent library of games to play now, but I, I can't imagine how much fun it would be to be able to, to play, you know, an even huger or, or much larger um, library of games. Uh, love everything you do. Appreciate the, the podcast, the consistency, the quality, and uh, keep it up. Thanks. Interesting question here, Michael. I think the best answer that I can give is this. 
if it is technically possible, I think Tesla will do it. I really do. I mean, this is a company that publicly states from its highest official that its cars are intended to be as fun as possible. And they've already added not one, but at this point, upwards of a dozen video games that are either already available in the car or on the way. Got Cuphead on the way. We got Fallout Shelter on the way. Chess just hit. Beach Buggy Racing 2 just hit. Plus a bunch of the Atari games. So it's a, it's a pretty nice collection of, uh, of stuff right now. Uh, but, you know, Cuphead in particular, let, like, let's just talk about that for a quick second. Cuphead is a, it's a gamer's game. Like it is, a, it is a hardcore game that's got some pretty serious challenge to it to the extent that the, the Tesla version of the game will not work unless you plug in a USB controller. So it requires an additional peripheral f- to, in order to work. So uh, that to me says that Tesla isn't interested in, in sort of dumbing down any, any of the game stuff to have so that everybody can have a universal in-car experience. It says to me that if, if a developer has a fun idea that they want to do, that Tesla is going to work with them in order to make it happen. Um, I will say my, my one and only concern about Stadia with regard to Tesla in the cars is bandwidth. Um, you know, 5G has been a big push with, uh, with Stadia, even though it says, you know, it'll work on existing stuff, but, you know, 5G is supposed to sort of be the, the real uh, killer, it's not a killer app, I guess, but uh, <laughs> the killer bandwidth <laughs> to get that going. And I, I don't see 5G hitting Tesla cars. You know, I don't, I don't think they're going to be putting in a 5G chip anytime in the near future. It, it just doesn't seem like it's needed, of course, I say that very ignorantly. For all I know, Tesla might be foaming at the mouth to get 5G chips in the car because maybe it would allow them to to send back a lot more neural network data to the mothership, you know, more data and send it faster. So I could be super wrong on that, but I, uh, you know, I, I say that I guess with the historical precedent that the LTE chips that are in the cars now. Tesla was pretty slow to adopt those. Like the a 3G cellular chip was was in the car, 3G antenna. I mean, it, for a long time, like well after LTE had been had been established in the in the smartphone mobile phone world. So we'll see about that. But you know, with with the let's just say existing bandwidth situation, currently Tesla foots the bill for the AT and T cellular slash uh, you know, data service that is in your car and my car and all the cars. That is now starting to change a bit with the premium connectivity package. But the thing is, streaming video games from the cloud is on a whole other bandwidth level than than anything Tesla's doing now, even even compared to the YouTube and Netflix uh, portals that are that are on the way to the Tesla's in version 10. So I think, again, if Tesla can figure out a way to make it work, either within their existing deal with AT&T or that where Tesla might be willing to just absorb that 
that potential bandwidth cost, or maybe it's a it's something like a a premium connectivity plus package that te- that Tesla owners might optionally be able to choose and pay a bit more for. If it can be technically done, I think Tesla will do Stadia because it's just. It's too cool not to, and Elon's all about that kind of stuff. Thank you for your call, Michael. Next up is Jay from Cleveland. Has some feedback uh, coming from a a Model 3 to a Model S interface-wise. Go ahead, Jay. Hey, Ryan, this is Jay from Cleveland. Uh, One of the things that I loved about my Model S was the ability to kind of split the screen and have that rear view camera up when I'm driving. I just don't think there's any better way to get a feel for what's going on behind me than to have that camera up. I recently switched from an S over to a Model 3, and I noticed that there's less functionality on the screen when I've got the rear view camera up, so I can't manipulate any other app when the rear view camera's up, can't really see what song is playing on the radio, even if I do have the radio minimized, um, because the camera kind of grays out. It, It takes the focus away from any other app. I wonder if I'm in the minority here in saying that I would really like to see Tesla make a change so that the Model 3 could display both the camera and allow for a second app to be used on screen. Um, Maybe this is just something that differentiates the S and the X from the 3. Not sure, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks so much for making such an awesome podcast. Talk to you soon. Thanks for your call, Jay. I am 100% with you on this. I had made the same criticism, if, if you want to call it that, after my initial experience with the Model 3, which uh, I was lucky enough to, to get the first drive with uh, one of the employee cars in November of 2017. And that, was, that jumped out at me right away because, because what's, like you, whenever I would drive a Model S, in my case, It'd be my cousin Pat's Model S in Arizona, and and I'm really you know before I got my Model Three, I would <laughs> I would I would happily take any chance I get to to drive his car, and he was always really nice about letting me do that while I was in town. But I would do the exact same thing and always keep that rear view camera up and at the and docked to the top of the screen because the Model S is a big car, and that rear view camera's uh, you know view helps eliminate blind spots when you're changing lanes. I'll tell you, I'd, I'd also love to see a tweak made to the Model 3. And, and if not, uh, maybe, you know, I don't know if maybe a Model 3 wouldn't quite be able to accommodate a second app in a user-friendly way, but I would at least like to see the minimized music player, which is, by the way, the only possession, position I ever use it from is that final lower, you know, lower quarter docked position. I would really like to have that accessible while the camera's up because right now, you know, it's the the camera's the only active thing on the screen. You can't if you touch anything else, the camera goes away. So, um, you know, if you want to thumb up or thumb down a song, it's going to it's going to uh, actually require two touches because the first one is going to just drop the camera and then the second one you'd have to, you know, do do the uh thumb up or thumb down to your song. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to see an adjustment to that. Now, the good news is that it seemingly is possible as it would just be a software adjustment. Yes, I, I suppose there are probably uh, software developers out there are probably going, no, it's it's not that easy. You know, I, I imagine there would be some CPU bandwidth to account for with, with another app actually running in the foreground 
at at a given time instead of just you know having multiple apps running uh, in the foreground like that. But I, I gotta figure it it's doable. There seems to be if there's enough power, enough processing power in that MCU to run Cuphead, which of course talking about that a few minutes ago, there's gotta be enough to have the camera up and have the uh, the music player up at the same time. Thank you for that call, Jay. Let's head up to Seattle. Talk to Andy, who uh, has a, a little a little uh, trouble with his dogs, and uh, also wants to talk about a, a particular feature within the in-car infotainment system. Go ahead, Andy. Hey, Ryan. It's Andy from Seattle here, driving around in my black model S. That you definitely helped me figure out. Uh, I had a couple of questions today in, in two parts, one for the actual movement of the car and another one revolving dogs. Uh, first one is the voice activation button. It seems to be when I press it, there is a long delay and then nothing happens. Uh, then you try a couple of minutes later and it seems to work fine. Is this just it getting set up and running for the first time? Is this uh, something that I might be doing wrong or any advice there? And the second part is regarding dogs. I have two golden retrievers, so they uh, let out lots of joy of plenty of hair. And so one of them actually is a big drooler too. So the, my questions are, has anyone or have you heard of anyone using specific uh, products for dogs? I have the, the standard uh, mat that I put in the back, but I do have the seats down. So the hair does seem to go everywhere. And the other part is my other dog loves to drool. And I found the drool doesn't seem to come out as easily on the interior um uh, door door area, I guess the best way to put. Uh, any tips for getting that out? I'm assuming just maybe some alcohol cut, but I don't want to overdo it and actually make a bigger problem than what I can. So um, any tips would be great. All right, thanks again, Ryan, and thanks again for all you do for the community. Bye. Hey, Andy, I am glad to hear that you are enjoying your Model X. For the voice activation, mine sometimes takes two to three seconds, but never more than that, honestly. You might want to try doing a hard reboot when the car is in park, which means foot on the brake, keep your foot on the brake, then hold down both scroll wheel buttons until the screen turns off and the car reboots itself. So give that a try if you haven't already. As for the cleaning products to deal with your, no doubt, absolutely adorable golden retrievers, this one I want to turn over to the audience to see if anybody can help you with with uh, getting that slobber out from those door panels and keeping that fur out as well. I'm I'm very fortunate that Daisy's fur is uh, very short, super short boxer hair, so um, I don't have too much of an issue with it. You know, I do have I use the um, sort of hammock, the dog hammock across the back seats of my Model Three and. You know, when I when I take that out after after we're done, after she's done riding in the car, I'll just usually just kind of shake it out in the garage and any you know any loose fur that it that uh, come off that came off in the car that, that it just shakes right out of it. So it makes it pretty easy for me, but I can very much understand that with two goldens uh, that you might have a a more <laughs> a more pressing situation on your hands. Because I will say, I, I guarantee there are other Golden Retriever owners out there listening right now who may be able to share some wisdom. So go ahead. If, if that's you, if I'm sort of speaking to you right now, call in or email if you can help Andy out, and I will send 
word along. Next up is our friend Lawton from Chicago wanted to comment on the luggage capacity of the Model Y. Go ahead, Lawton. Hi, Ryan. It's Lawton from Chicago. I wanted to comment on the potential luggage capacity of the Model Y. With having four children, I'm considering the Model Y. However, I'm concerned that when seating seven, whether there will still be enough space left for luggage. While the Model Y has 66 cubic feet of cargo space, how usable the space is is even more important. I think a major factor will be how wide the trunk well ends up being. The Model S has a width of 7 inches, with the trunk well being about 38 inches wide. This allows a standard 30-inch check-in luggage and a 24-inch carry-on to stand side-by-side in the trunk well, assuming you're able to close the trunk lid. The Model 3, on the other hand, has a width of 76 inches, but the trunk hole is only about 27 inches wide. As a result, I can only fit a single 30-inch check-in luggage standing up in Model 3's trunk. If they can make trunk well wider in the Model Y, this would greatly enhance its ability to carry luggage. Given all the price increases on the Model Y since its announcement, I went ahead and placed an order prior to the full self-driving price increase. However, I will wait to see in person to determine whether to complete the order. Thanks for all the tells of fun and insight every week. Look forward to your thoughts. Well, Lawton, obviously and unfortunately, I can't offer you anything definitive here since I haven't had any access to the Y since my test ride, my all-too-brief test ride on reveal night. But one thing to keep in mind, and I know this uh, might not be what you want to hear, but the Y should be the same width as the 3 since it's on the same platform, and as such, I gotta figure it's probably unlikely that the trunk well will be any wider. Fingers crossed that that Franz von Holzhausen and the design team work some magic there, but we will see what happens probably uh, next year, I would imagine, is when we'll start to learn more about that. Let's go to Curtis in San Francisco also on the subject of Model Y. Go ahead, Curtis. Hi, Ryan. This is Curtis from San Francisco. Well, it was quite the Model Y ordering firestorm this Friday morning. With Tesla modifying the site to mirror the Model 3 configurations without notice, it helped save money on autopilot and FSD and making light the default color for the Model Y. But not surprisingly, as they rolled out these changes, Tesla didn't do the user acceptance testing necessary. We were locked out from modifying our current orders. People, including myself, have been canceling and reordering this morning at a frantic pace, and also with FSD going up Saturday, the urgency only increases. What are your thoughts on of all the implications this simple change has caused? Several hundred thousand refunds and reorders, call centers and stores getting flooded with customers trying to get the orders changed since they don't want to lose their place in the queue by canceling. Would appreciate your perspective. Thanks. Well, Curtis, I know uh, that it was probably super stressful because you thought the full self-driving price increase was coming the next day. So I sort of preface that this by saying, you know, I that I recognize that, but um, I, I honestly don't think it was too big of a deal. First of all, I I doubt Tesla even has several hundred thousand orders for the Y, since they have been intentionally downplaying it so as not to detract from Model Three sales. I mean, you can refer back to my interview with Elon where he mentioned that. Uh, plus, you know, the, they're taking orders. $2,500 deposit on that order versus $1,000 reservations. So that I'm sure was an, was an aim on per, an on purpose aim by Tesla to cut down the number of, of reservations slash orders and make sure you're just getting 
the super serious people there who are, you know, if they're willing to put down $2,500 a year and a half or so in advance, that, that that's going to be a more accurate count of, of what you can expect your early production numbers and your production sort of backlog to, uh, to look like. But um, anyway, of, of those cars that have ordered, have been ordered, such as yourself, I would imagine, uh, unlike you, most people probably didn't even know or even potentially necessarily even care that the full self-driving price package was, was increasing. Remember, too, you know, it's savvy enthusiasts like you are really in the grand scheme of things, kind of, I guess, all of us to some extent, if you're listening to a Tesla podcast, you're in the minority of of all Tesla owners. That's not a bad thing. You're super enthusiastic, just like I am. That's why, hopefully, that's why you're listening. And that enthusiasm is a good thing. But, you know, a lot of people, the majority of, of Tesla owners don't, you know, they're not sort of all the way down the rabbit hole on this stuff like we are. They just bought it for whatever their reason for buying it was, and they they don't browse forums or listen to podcasts or or what have you. But um, you know, it's the same way with any product. You know, you've got you've got diehard Xbox players and you've got way more Xbox players that never look on the internet for anything about their Xbox or the games. They just see commercials on TV for games they want and they buy them and, and that's the end of it. But, um, now that is all to say there, that's not to excuse Tesla for, for having the hiccups that caused you the stress for, you know, the, you existing order holders when, when they made that, that change. But, uh, I'm very confident that they'll sort it out because again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, when I was talking about this, my uh, my price went down from between the time I ordered and the time that I actually had to pay and take delivery, and I didn't have to do anything. As I said, Tesla just took care of it. So I'm sure that's going to be the case here. Thank you, Curtis, as always, for your excellent calls. Let's go next to Carl in Austin. Uh, last call on the Model Y topic, then we'll move on here. Carl, go ahead. Hello, Ryan. This is Carl from Austin. Just wanted to leave a little pro tip of the week. Um, I have noticed um, the lower price Y options on the webpage. I have also noticed a lot of confusion as to what previous orders, um, reservations, what those individuals should do as far as uh, taking advantage of those new lower prices, i.e. the white being free and autopilot included in the price. I have seen um, comments, uh, people canceling their orders, making new orders, waiting for emails, desperately trying to uh, reach Tesla via um, the phone, waiting over an hour to speak to a Tesla rep uh, concerning these new price structures. Um, Easiest thing to do, simply go in. If you've already ordered your vehicle like we have, Simply go into the website, click edit, uh, modify the existing order, select. We selected basically what we had already um, selected initially, white paint. Just went down the line, basically selecting everything we already had months ago. White paint, um, autopilot we noticed was already um, included, selected 
the um, further software options and uh, click save. And um, we noticed the pricing structure went from 63 down to 59,000. So it's really simple, really straightforward. You don't lose your place in line. And that is it. I hope this is helpful to your listeners. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for that, Carl. Uh, now, again, like you, you know, you mentioned people, uh, which which Curtis was talking about with with people canceling and doing an order, new order, and and that was because we had this impending threat that Elon had had made. I don't mean threat in a you know super negative way, but we had this deadline that was put in place by Elon a while ago that said the full self-driving price was going up. So that's why when the timing of this, again, on Tesla's part, was not great. Uh, if they had rolled these this, this out for Model Y two days later, after Elon tweeted that they were delaying the, the full self-driving price increase, I think it would have caused, it would have saved a lot of people a ton of stress and anxiety. Because again, you know, a car is is it's the biggest non-home purchase you make, basically. I mean, it, for all intents and purposes, I think for a lot of people. So, you know, it's understandable that it, that it, uh, you know, when you're, when there's thousands of dollars on the line, um, that, that those, uh, the, the way Tesla handled this again could have been better for sure. So nevertheless, appreciate that sort of, uh, not a pro tip per se, I guess. That's why I didn't play it in the, in the pro tip section, but just a, you know, just a, a little explanation there of how you were able to just change your order and, and but basically keep it the same and have your price go down there. So thanks so much, Carl. Let's see, still got uh, still got a few more calls. Let's go to Derek in Dallas while we're still on the subject of full self-driving. Go ahead, Derek. Hey, Ryan, it's Derek in Dallas. Uh, actually, I had a question. What do you guys think about uh, full self-driving as a service? It seems like all the software companies are <clears throat> kind of shifting into that direction. Uh, the concept of software ownership is kind of uh, becoming a, a distant memory. It would be something like, hey, you pay a grand a year and you have access to full self-driving. And if you decide you no longer want it, you no longer pay for it. I mean, what do you think about that? Thanks. Love the podcast. Bye. Thank you for the call, Derek. Uh, this came up recently, I think, but anyway, I'm totally with you. It seems like a no-brainer, but I suspect that Tesla hasn't done it already because they feel like there's more money in it the current way. But I do suspect that as Tesla becomes more steadily and reliably profitable, they're going to want to get full self-driving into more people's lives and they probably will move to a lower barrier of entry model like the one that you propose as soon as they can afford to do so. So thanks for calling in. What are we down to here? Uh, three more calls this week. Jim in California. Last call on the full self-driving topic. Let's go, Jim. Hi, Jim from Placerville, California here. Regarding making FSD portable, it doesn't actually have to be portable. What I want is a guarantee from Tesla that if I buy FSD on a car and trade in that car to Tesla for a new model, I will be given a trade-in credit for the full cost of FSD on the new car regardless of what I paid for FSD or what FSD costs at the time of my trade-in. It doesn't matter if they decide to resell my car with FSD or turn it off since it is just a software 
switch. Regarding Tesla insurance, it seems like Tesla should not even require me to pay a deductible if autopilot was engaged at the time of an accident. Also, Tesla insurance should encourage autopilot usage by giving a discount on premiums based on percent of miles driven on autopilot. Finally, it seems like no insurance company will be able to compete with Tesla insurance and the data they will have to prove the fault in accidents. I can see a day when Tesla insurance is half the price of the other insurers. Well, I certainly hope you're right about Tesla insurance, Jim, and I suspect having it cost significantly less than other insurers is probably one of the ultimate goals of the program for Tesla. I really think that the insurance program is is by far one of the biggest wild cards in the entire company. I mean, maybe wild card isn't quite the right term, but what I mean by that is from a public-facing perspective, our perspective as Tesla enthusiasts, Tesla fans, the insurance offering is one of the biggest unknowns. What's the coverage plan going to look like? How much is it going to cost? What's going to differentiate it from other traditional insurance company plans? Etc. Etc. So, here's hoping that we finally get those answers very soon. Thank you, Jim. Uh, our penultimate caller for the week is Cody. Who wants to talk about efficiency. Go ahead, Cody. Hi, Ryan. It's Cody. Just had a question for you regarding acceleration, battery health, and probably math and science. Is it better for the Tesla Model S three or X to accelerate quickly? to the desired driving speed or gradually accelerate towards it. You know, I don't mind being off the line if it's going to help me achieve better mileage, but I will be okay if I have to gradually accelerate as well. Just curious if you know if anyone has done the math, and I appreciate your insight. Thanks so much. Thank you for the call, Cody. Now, if I'm wrong here, people can feel free to correct me on this, but based on my experience with the Performance Model 3, it sure seems like stomping on the accelerator is always going to be less efficient. When I go on drives where I hit a bunch of red lights with nobody in front of me that I can safely gun it from, because it's fun and I will do that if it's safe to do so, my watt-hours per mile number is always higher, read, aka worse, than when I do if I were to do that same route with a lighter foot. But the thing to remember, here's the thing. Even if you drive it like you stole it, you're still getting 90 plus miles per gallon equivalent. And, and, and your, your fuel, your gallons, uh, quote unquote, air quotes, cost pennies compared to actual gasoline gallons. You know, it's not like a supercar that's only going to get eight miles per gallon by driving it hard. So... My personal philosophy is that I don't worry about it and I just enjoy my car because it's costing me fractions of a penny to activate my own personal roller coaster when I feel like it. And again, when it is safe to do so. Thanks again, Cody. Uh, Last and most certainly not least this week, Dave from Fort Pierce. Again, not a pro tip per se. Uh, I thought this was very relevant information for those of you who may have older Model S and even Model X. Uh, so, you know, 2013, 2014, uh, even up through kind of 2016 on the S side and, and the 2016 
Model X's. Uh, a good note here from Dave. Hey, Ryan. Dave from Fort Pierce again. Just a tip for uh, Model S and Model X owners of uh, older cars that have had that uh, little shutter when you do a rapid acceleration. Uh, some people may have had their front half shafts replaced by Tesla for this, but there's a new service bolt now that uh, replaces uh, another part that uh, actually solves the problem. It's uh, service bulletin SB1939001, and uh, it's uh, fairly recent, dated June 25th, but uh, the parts are available now, and uh, that will solve your problem uh, completely for that. I've uh, copied you with a copy of the service bulletin. Hope that helps, folks. Great job with the uh, show again. Always listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. And true to his word, Dave did indeed send along a copy of the service bulletin. I have heard about that issue with older cars. Uh, I was not aware of the service bulletin and the fix, though, Dave, so thank you very much for giving me some useful new information today that I am more than happy to pass along to those SNX owners who might be affected by that. So thanks so much, Dave. Thanks so much to all of you for calling in again. I love it. I appreciate it. I, I love hearing from you. Welcome the participation. Give me a call anytime, day or night. That's the beauty of this not being live, as you can, if inspiration strikes in, uh, you know, First thing in the morning, <laughs> 6 a.m., you can just uh, record it and send it on in to either, again, uh, teslapodcast at gmail.com, or if you're using the Ride the Lightning hotline, it's 1-888-989-8752. Be right back with a few more notes, as well as your pro tip of the week, right after this. Well, I am very much looking forward to washing my car tomorrow. Uh, it has been far too long. I wasn't able to clean it last weekend because my parents were in town. They were staying with us, so plenty of uh, there wasn't time to sneak away and wash the spirit of adventure. But I, I guess the only other really thing I can mention is I've got a service appointment coming up. wasn't able to get a mobile appointment, so I am taking it in next week to the San Francisco Service Center. I've got a tire rotation. And then uh, I think I might have mentioned a while ago, I have a, uh, my inner left taillight is like the housing of it. It's slightly loose. Like you can kind of jostle it slightly with your hand. Uh, when I came back from the Model Y event and stopped at Kettleman City, there was a, a, a Ranger, a Tesla Ranger, a mobile service tech just stationed there who was super nice and took a look at it for me while I was charging up and he wasn't able to adjust it. So it is a part issue. He made a note in my log and, uh, my service log. And I've been, I tried to get it replaced a while ago and never heard from Tesla when, when I, it was the last time I was in there, which was for a flat tire. But anyway, so doing that. And then, you know, the other, the only other thing I'd be curious if anybody out there is in the same, has the same issue. So on my white seats, um, I've got a little bit of black discoloration seemingly from the seat belt on the passenger rear side where my daughter always sits. And it was, you know, she had for the first year that I had the car, she actually just was able to get rid of it recently because she's old enough now. 
uh, she had, we had a, just a booster seat there and I would just keep the, the seat belt kind of, kind of wrapped, not wrapped around, but just sort of hooked onto the handle of, you know, the outermost handle of that booster seat, which just made it easier for her to, to get in and sit, sit in her booster seat and, and grab the seat belt and get it plugged in. But over time, there is now uh, sort of right, you know, behind the seat belt up at, near the top of the seat, there is a black spot there, uh, which is kind of a little frustrating. Obviously, it's a new car that, you know, it, it hasn't, it doesn't get that much wear and tear. It just seems like it should not be the case. So uh, I put that in my notes for them to look at. I'm very curious what they're going to say. But um, yeah, if you've, if you've had a similar thing with your white seats, um, again, I guess particularly the rear ones, I would be curious to hear from you if you want to drop me an email about it. But I'll let you know how that service appointment goes next week. And for now, let's do the pro tip of the week. I think this is a good one. Stefan in Monterey uh, wants to talk about uh, a particular little workaround. More, I guess not so much a pro tip as a pro workaround. Go ahead, Stefan. Hi, Ryan. This is Stefan in Monterey. I really appreciate that the Tesla turns off sentry mode when it knows that the car is at your home address. But it's a little frustrating that we can't set it to do the same thing as far as locking the doors automatically. When I'm in my garage, often I go into the garage, realize that I've left my phone in the house, got to go back into the house, get the phone to get into the car. So a little workaround that I've set up is that I've created a separate profile called home. I've set it so it doesn't lock the car. And then when I park my car in the garage, I press home, car's not locked, stays in locked until the next time I want to drive the car. Then I get in the car, just push my user profile for myself, and then I'm back to the car automatically locking when I'm away from it. So that's a little workaround for, for those people that might sometimes find themselves in the same situation as me. I wish though that Tesla would offer some kind of a setting so that when it knows that you're at this particular address, it wouldn't automatically lock. Thanks again for all the hard work. Love the podcast. Bye. Excellent work around there, Stefan. Thank you so much for calling in with that. Uh, and by the way, one more quick note on that, that seat discoloration issue on the, on the back seat there. I have tried cleaning it. I've tried using the baby wipe and the same thing. I, the same method I use to clean the seats normally and no luck. So have Tesla take a look at it, see, uh, see what they have to say. Anyway, that'll about wrap it up for this week's edition of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. Uh, if you do enjoy this podcast, and if you feel like I have earned your support, because I do feel like it cannot be given, it must be earned. But, you know, I'm here for you every week. If you've been with me for a while and you enjoy this and you want to support me, the best way to do that is on Patreon where there are plenty of different tiers you can choose to support at, and that uh, each tier comes with different little perks and bonuses for you. You know, the regular show, the regular podcast here will always come to you, will always come out for everyone every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. But if you do see fit to throw some support my way, I'd sincerely appreciate it. You can learn more on my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash teslapodcast, Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, if you're in the market 
for Tesla accessories for your car and maybe even uh, some stuff for yourself to wear, abstractocean.com has got an excellent selection of stuff. Their most popular items being their uh, center console wraps, you know, different textures, different materials, different, so you can give that some different looks. Uh, they've got tempered glass screen protectors for the center screen of the Model 3, all kinds of stuff. Just take a look over there, abstractocean.com, and when you've got everything that you like in your shopping cart, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout. That's one word, RTLPODCAST, to get 15% off of your very first order. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, $100 off any ceramic coating. If you need a, a great detailer in the Bay Area, Immaculate Reflections took great care of me, and I'm confident that they'll take great care of you as well. And again, that $100 off any ceramic coating or paint protection film package, unless you go with a full-body paint protection film, in which case it's $250 off, plus there's an additional discount for military members and veterans if you prevent your uh, present, I should say, your military ID. So to learn more and uh, get in touch with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections, you can go to his website, irdetailing.com. You can also see plenty of examples of Jeff's work on his Yelp page or Instagram on Yelp. It's yelp.com slash Immaculate Reflections. And on Instagram, the handle is Immaculate underscore Reflections. If you're buying a Jada wireless charging pad for Model 3, if you've got a Qi-capable uh, smartphone that'll, that'll charge wirelessly, you can get an excellent wireless charging pad made by Jada uh, in your car, I've I've had it in mind since uh, the, the first version of it came out. Now, version two is what, what you get when you order, and it is way better than version one was. It's outstanding. It is performance Model 3 proof. You can launch the car, and the uh, the phone won't go flying <laughs> off, of its, off of its wireless charging pad. Uh, they have also got a USB hub now, too, that'll give you some extra USB ports, and it's great for the sentry mode, the dash cam, because there is a uh, sort of a dummy wall on the back of it that you have to sort of press in at the right spot that'll you take off of that little fake wall and then you plug in behind that, you plug in your USB stick for the sentry mode. So if, uh, if the criminals do wise up to Teslas and start trying to take the USB sticks when they break into the car, uh, it's probably gonna take them a lot longer to figure out how to find yours if you've got the uh, the Jada USB hub. So anyway, if you're in the market for either of those things, I don't have a discount to offer there, unfortunately, but I would humbly ask that you use my referral link because in full transparency, they'll throw me a few bucks from the sale if you order it through my link, which is getjada.com, G-E-T-J-E-D-A, getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. As I mentioned earlier, teslapodcast at gmail.com. That is the way to reach me via email. If you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at DMC underscore Ryan. My apologies that I haven't uh, been posting much to Instagram lately, between the, the 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 family vacation that I had 
and then coming back just straight into the fire at work. It's uh, I just haven't had time to do any fun car pictures and post them up there. But uh, since I'm cleaning the car this weekend and heading to the service center, I'll try to post up some fun stuff there uh, coming up. And I think that will about wrap it up, other than, of course, saying hello and thank you to the wonderful Patreon producers. These are the folks uh, that are at the producer tier, which one of their bonuses is they get their name shouted out each week. They also get the monthly bonus episode, which, by the way, I intend to do the September one. I want to have do it next weekend and get it out right at the beginning of the month there, beginning of September. And then there's you get early access to the show as well if you are in the producer tier. All that stuff, that's what's cool about it is it stacks. So thank you to the Patreon producers, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Gabriel Salais, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Luxendary.com, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Josh, Jeremy Harris, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Larry Lynch, Chris Knesnick, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, and Dennis Peak. Thank you all very, very much for your continued support. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, no more money talk because subscribing is in fact free. Uh, that is just a way to have the podcast delivered to you automatically rather than you having to come and find it each time a new episode is available. So that's why you subscribe, and you can do so via iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, or YouTube. I'm also just, you know, audio only on YouTube as well. So uh, that will wrap it up for me. I guess uh, the one other note I would make is just a, a quick thought. You know, if you've been listening for a long time, you know about my my last dog and how much she meant to me, Maggie the Boxer, who was, you know, really my my first dog. We had a family dog growing up, but my first dog and and I, you know, heartbreakingly lost her uh, at the age of just ten and a half, which, you know, a little on the younger side for boxers, but that dog meant the world to me. And she would have turned thirteen this coming week had she uh had she not been afflicted with the the malady that she had, because boy, her that's what made it so hard was her you could see it in her eyes that her spirit was still as strong as ever. Just the body wasn't the mind and spirit were willing, but the body wasn't so. I uh you know, I think about like she she could have still been here. I mean, thirteen would be would be pretty impressive for a boxer, but I've met 13-year-old boxers before. So, you know, nothing against Daisy. Uh, Daisy's been really brilliant. I mean, she's been the ideal successor. You know, nobody will ever, nothing can ever replace Maggie for me, and, you know, I don't compare them, 
and but Daisy's been wonderful. But yeah, it's a uh, a happy would be thirteenth birthday to the the amazing Maggie the boxer, San Francisco uh, SPCA therapy dog, uh, companion of mine through the most difficult time of my life, uh, which was gosh eleven years ago now. It's a long time. In any case, I'm talking too long. I am taking too much of your valuable time. And what, yeah, and I'm ending the show on a down note. Now, just, I'm going to turn this positive. Maggie, if you're somewhere, <laughs> happy 13th birthday. Uh, hopefully you are running free somewhere, and uh, hopefully I'll get to see you again. Happy electric motoring to all of you, and I will see you again next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun.